the house of boxes are rocking. Please, please do come a knocking. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the boxing edition as we load up the gloves with a plaster of Paris sized dose of that performance enhancing audio. Yes, the Brian Campbell. In fact, the voice that you hear just about ready to tag in Big Red to share our glad tidings with the passionate and intense ITC Boxeo audience. I love you. I make you a Okay, okay. okay. Out of all the boxing shows in the world today named in this corner, this one is the very best, offering you the full package of entertainment, insight, everything that you need. Because they had a full package. Where are they going to get that full package today? Who puts their balls on the line? Who does that in boxing? Exactly, exactly, Prince. No one else but your boy BC and his mainest of main men, Rafe Bugs. And before I welcome in the General Ginger, let me remind you that if you enjoy today's episode, in fact, if you hear something today that you like, if you see something, say something. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts. We benefit greatly from your five-star reviews. Hey, throw a couple nice words in there about why you like the show. It's an audio consummation and it needs two sides of that equation for sure. But with the business behind us, let's bring in the heart and soul of this show. He's an internationally renowned author, editor, Filipino TV icon, and protector, I might add, of all things cruiserweights. Cruising was made for box. Respect was made for box. I love it when we're cruising together. Oh, yeah, an oldie but goodie. Rafe Bartholomew, live and direct from the West Coast. How is it, my man? It's a beautiful morning. The breeze is mm, stupendous. Do you have a uh, morning bird call of any t- kind to share with us? Morning bird call. Morning bird call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right? I mean, you can't start a morning any better than with Angel Garcia and uh, Chris Eubank Sr., the two the two of the greatest fathers in the sport. I want to enjoy the magic of the instrument, which is my body. Rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rafe! All right, so hold on. Let me just finish uh, chewing my lunch here. How, how unprofessional is that for a podcast, right? That's, that's, I mean, how, that's what they teach you in hosting school, right? I know, and it's a bad time because this day and age when everybody's debating – LeBron versus Michael, who's better all time? Same debates are going on in the boxing podcast world. We got a lot of competition, so me eating on In the whose air. corner are you going to hang out? Exactly. Are you going to hang out in this corner with Brian Campbell? You're going to hang out in that corner with some other guys. You're going to hang out in Dan Rayfield's basement? I mean, there's some real competition out there, Rafe, so I better get the, uh, the eating behind me and get ready. Hey, Rafe, not really anything to talk about this week, which is always my favorite type. Of show, I mean, we've got another jam-packed episode planned for the listeners, filled with basically nothing. But we do offer plenty of feels. I'm Phil. I'm very Phil. And Ray, for all you bare knuckle boxing fans out there who simply can't wait for Saturday's bare knuckle fighting championships pay-per-view from Cheyenne, Wyoming, we, the ITC, today. Have a chat with former UFC heavyweight champion Rico Rodriguez, who headlines the card. Rafe, this could be the new BKB, some people say. All right? So somebody get lineal champ Gabe Rosado on line one, right? 
Well, look, yeah, I was gonna say you can't don't don't besmirch the BKB like don't just don't, the pit was a sacred place in boxing for all of about eighteen months where we saw those epic Rosado Vera Rosado Stevens fights. I mean, <laughs> come on, get in the pit with me. What happens in the pit it does stay right in the pit, right in the field spot, right there. Uh, so, Rafe, you fired up for NBA Game Sevens galore. Uh, Las Vegas Hockey Stanley Cup. What, what's going on with you? Not a lot of talk about in fights this week. What's new in the life of Rafe? I respect box, Brian. I don't know what you're talking to me about. The, li- uh, the life of Rafe is just respecting box. All right. All right. I can definitely get behind that. I respect that. box. Yeah, all right. We know that. We know that already. I can get behind that. Well, Rafe, we took last week off, and there are there were some good fights to talk about. I want to get your take and my take and combine those takes, consummate those takes into one just sort of, you know, gross, disgusting creation, right? It's kind of like how Paulie once said Broner was born. They got everybody that's wrong with boxing together in one room did everything that's wrong with boxing in that room and gave birth to Adrian yeah, Broner. Right, 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 right. This is going on right now. Look, gotta- this soundboard can get caught. Con- this third member of our broadcast team can get controversial, Rafe. Some people love it. Some people don't like it. Who's the MVP of this soundboard in your eyes? Oh, wow. Wow. That's tough, man. I mean, it gotta be, it has to be Ray Torres, right? Just cause that is, that is the classic. That's probably what the first, the first sound on any boxing soundboard is going to be the, the classic Ray Torres lines. Yeah, I was going to say Teddy, but that, that's a that's a fairly strong call there, Ray Torres. But, you know, some people are making runs on this board. Angel Garcia, right? Eddie Hearn. I mean, you know, there's some people that are Tyson Fury that are trying to invade the space here. But, Rafe, we saw two weeks ago in Toronto, pretty damn good action light heavyweight championship out between Adonis Stevenson and Badu Jack that was fought to a majority decision 12. Rafe, I'm not going to go as far as guys like Mike Coppinger, who were ringside, who were like blowing their wad a little bit and basically trying to say that this was a fight of the year because let's not forget, right? First six rounds, you know, pretty pretty sterile, right? Pretty sterile. You want to shoot your load about the last few then, the last six. So he shot his load. Then, you know, you, I mean. Let him shoot his load. Then let him do it because the last six were in, were intense and insane. Your thoughts on this light heavyweight championship out? I mean, you said it. Um, it's uh, It was a fun fight. Uh, you know, the, yes, it, the first half of the fight stunk, right? But it, tur- it turned into a really, really exciting fight. Uh, Stevenson is still good TV, which is too bad because no one particularly likes him or roots for him in the sport for whether it's because of his criminal past or because of the way he sort of held up the WBC belt and the, the lineal light heavyweight championship that he took off of Chad Dawson all these years ago. He's not a particularly, particularly lovable guy in boxing, but whether he's getting, you know, whether he's sending guys like Tommy Carpensi to hell <laughs> or going life and death in the last 12 rounds with Badu Jack, he does make good fights. He's, and because he, he, he brings in that, that sort of classic formula for a fun TV fighter, which is he's dangerous. He's got power and he's got flaws, right? He, especially with his age and his stamina now, I mean, he is looking as, as ripe for the picking as ever, which means someone's finally going to beat him or he's going to start fighting really terrible guys and it's going <laughs> to last for another 10 you years. You like Demetrius Sukhotsky, then get ready for the suck, right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, he brought it. He was in a fight and he had to fight, and I will give him the, cre- the credit. He went 12 hard rounds. He was basically, like, out on his feet out of exhaustion when that final bell in round 12 rang. But we do have to sort of say... 
he kind of got exposed for being old, right? I mean, it doesn't look like at 40 he can go 12 hard rounds anymore. He had just enough. So you give him credit that he responded from getting hurt and, and fought hard. And, you know, I mean, in that 10th round, he slowed Badu Jack's momentum with that body shot. That really hurt him. I mean, to the body, to the body, son. He brought what him there. What a beauty. What a hashtag, what a beauty body. And in the end, that shot won him that round and kept that fight a draw. I thought the score was, was perfectly fine. Like we have no reason for anybody, including Paulie, to get upset. Thank you, man. At least some people got the score right. Yeah, they did. They got it right in this, in this chance, you know, and I think what you saw of Adonis finally in a good fight, like you said, showed some good things, showed some age, showed some bad things. And Badu Jack, brother, a guy who this was the fight, Rafe, where I was not going to fall victim to picking against him. He just started one round too late. Like, great strategy, but you can't punt five and a half rounds to start a fight. You can't do it, Rafe. Yeah, there's got to be a way to conserve energy in the first half of the fight without totally giving, giving, just giving the rounds away, kind of pulling the old Lamont Peterson, Danny Garcia thing where you win the last half of the fight going away, but you've done nothing in the beginning and you're like, Oh, but I thought I had the better night. Maybe you had the better night, but you know, we know how boxing is, is scored round by round. And if you give away that many rounds in a guy's hometown, uh, it's not, a very wise formula for, for getting a win on the scorecards. Do we need, for as good as this fight was, and it was, not a fight of the year contender, very fun fight the second half. We didn't get a, we didn't get closure. So do we need to see it again? Because I personally, Rafe, don't feel like we do. Where are you at with this? It's fine if they can make it quick. It was a good fight. We, there's no reason not to see it again, but if it's going to, we're going to hold up both fighters and wait till sometime next year. To, to see this again? No, no, just keep it moving. I think it can go. I, I, I don't have extremely strong feelings either way on the need for an immediate rematch. I would happily watch one, but it's really a question of, of keeping these guys active, which is uh, especially a problem for our guy, Adonis Stevenson. No question about it. There's a very controversial movement on the show that we support. We protect Rafe. We, we push, you know, we rub. And no, rub's a bad word. But, and it's called hashtag loadwatch2018. You know, I, I teased it off the top. This fight, Stevenson Jack, Gave us more ammo in the great war of hashtag load watch, Rafe. I know there's some of our listeners out there who just don't like it, but trainer Lou Delval, right? Badu Jack's trainer, the same guy who knocked, first guy to knock down Roy Jones. Man, he came out of his shell in this fight and showed people that he's a, he's a wordsmith that needs more microphones put in front of him in the boxing game. He did give us this gem after the sixth round. Uh, it, it's true. It, at that point, they thought Adonis had, you know, basically let him shoot his load. It just had done exactly that. So hey, forward on, forward march on for the movement, Rafe. Right, well, look, the, we're we are the night's watch for load watch. If some we're we're out there, we see something and we say something when this happens. And it's been a pretty good year for this. I don't know if it was because Floyd ha Floyd said it in the Connor fight, and then it was that whole back and forth with Sal Pal, but. We've seen a lot of uh, load talk this year, and, and I'm not going to complain. We're yeah. here for it. Maybe that's because it's been such a good year of fights. All right, Rafe, quickly in that double header that night on Showtime, this second fight came from Oxon Hill, Maryland, the new boxing hotbed. Gary Russell Jr. defended his featherweight title with a 12-round unanimous decision over a fairly game. Jojo Diaz Jr. turned out to be a fun fight, but, Rafe, it was only a fun fight for about four rounds because Mr. Gary Russell kind of fought like an idiot. He went away from his strengths, stood in front of JoJo. I think he thought he was going to stop him, 
I thought he was going to stop him too coming in, but it seemed like it took Gary a few rounds to realize I'm allowing Jojo Diaz back into the fight with the only way he can compete, which is to go to the body at close range. Once Russell made that adjustment, it was like Floyd Maidana too. The fight was over, right? Yeah, and but still, I think Jojo Diaz, for a lot of people, probably elevated himself with this performance. I thought, and it sounded like a lot of other people who follow the sport closely, weren't too sure he was ready for this level of fight, this level of opponent, and at least he was in the fight. He, he got some things done. He 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 looked, you know, he really pushed Russell in a few rounds, and he and he was coming on late and looked all right. It, you know, it was I was impressed. He 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 looked better than I expected him to look, and he he was tough. He could, you know, Russell had been dominating guys and who are a little bit lower level, but still decent fighters. And and Jojo Diaz, you know, has a chin. It looks like he's gonna at least be able to compete against. Other top fighters at 126 pounds, whether or not, I don't think he's really ever going to make it to the top, top of that division, but he belongs in that mix. All right. All right. I'm down with that. Do we think now from this performance and look, it was a very strong performance by Gary Russell outside of those rounds where I thought, you know, he wasn't fighting the right strategy that he is the class of 126 because I'm fairly convinced at this point. I mean, a, a match with him in Frampton would be excellent, but I'm fairly convinced that he'd beat Leo, that he'd beat any of these guys. Oh, I don't know about that. I think that I, what we know that 126 is a really strong division, and those guys are Leo. I don't know how that matches up with Gary Russell Jr. Gary Russell Jr. doesn't have very long arms. He's very, he has very quick hands, of course. But Leo, that length and that activity, if Russell can't do what Frampton did in the first fight, which was hurt him early and make Santa Cruz think twice about how, how, how he's going to come in and work his way into the, into range to, to sort of use his pressure. Um, then, then I think Leo will be up in his ass as we've seen other fighters get up in other fighters asses before. You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that ass. All right, yeah. all right. I mean, that's a fair comment. Anyway, I think, I think that's a, I mean, stylistically, I, that's a, I think that's a fight I'd really like to see. And I don't count Leo out of that. I think that Frampton also – now that could be a really boring fight because we see these guys might just stand across from each other and, and faint and, and try and see who can land the first quick shot and never really get much done. But still, in terms of a chess match type of fight, I would want to see it and hope that something more exciting breaks out. Um, those three guys, I think they're they're all toss-ups at that division in there. And then you got the – I'm not – I don't know if I really think Oscar Valdez uh, belongs in that same mix, but he would be fun to see in there, especially oh, against, against Leo, especially against Jojo Diaz. If, you know, I mean, like those are some awesome action fights. I just think Russell's skills is one step above these guys, and I think if you are going to come at him, and Diaz showed us an above average chin, so he didn't end up getting getting you know dropped. But I think if you're going to come at him, Russell's going to put it on you. He's going to make you pay. And you're going to have to be in that spot to make a strong decision. I don't, I, I'm just going to, for now, I'm going to favor Gary Russell. I think he learned from that Loma loss. I think he's a tough dude at the core. He's, by the way, the most, uh, least self-aware person out there. He has like a <laughs> Seagal level of like insane personal confidence. He understand. He is king of one to six weight category. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> great poll right there. Great, great reference. If only I was quicker. There it is. If, uh, if this fight, 130, 135, if it uh, will be this fight, 135, weight category. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> hey, Rafe, last Friday morning, ESPN Plus, the newest thing on the scene picked up from Japan, the monster, Naoya Inoue. Inoue? Inoue? 
I, do we need Cliff Rolled on here to pronounce this? In, in a way, Inui are both acceptable, um, at least as far as we, uh, a couple of ignorant American guys can can handle. Yeah, Chardes, Sade, Godinez, uh, Godonez. Yeah, all right, all right. Ko one, Jamie McDonald, and the key here obviously is the monster in his sixteenth pro fight wins a title in his third weight class, claiming that bantamweight crown. And he did it as ridiculously impressive as possible, Rafe. Body shots galore, power shots. McDonald down, McDonald back up, McDonald down and out. You got pound for pound heads. I already had him at number nine coming in. Some people are like, no, dude, this guy might be the next Chocolatito or the next guy who's going to come for your girl, right? Who's going to take Loma. I mean, out, you know, in that spot. I mean, put us in line here on, on how impressive this guy is because he's basically doing Lomachenko things. Yeah, well, and he's been doing those things. I mean, he had that huge year where he beat Omar Narvaez, finally dethroned Narvaez at the lower weight. the ponytail. Um, yeah, cut the rat tail off that little bastard's head. Um, <laughs> he's still fighting. Go away, Narvaez. Damn You're you. still sore about that fight at the MSG Theater. You're still sore about that's that. That's right. That's right. That should have been Nonito's coming out party. You know, Narvaez just, just really – didn't give anyone anything. They just came to collect a check. Anyway, um, Inoue's been doing these things, and he's been looking this good, and and I think he is in that in that territory now. Does has he done anything to deserve to be considered better than Lomachenko? No, not really. Uh, but he actually has a huge opportunity to start making that case. The way that the he's entered now the World Boxing Super Series bantamweight tournament that's going to begin, I guess, later this year or, or yeah, should be late this year. Um, Are you going to get and that all has kinds the top of... four guys at the weight in there? I mean, that has Inoue, that has Zolani Tete, yes. uh, that has Ryan Burnett, and that has uh, what's Rodriguez, the Puerto Rican guy who just looked great uh, in the fight he won last month. You know, so, are you going to get all fired up cruiserweight style and like have a giant erect and erect and just have like pitch it to go camping here? I mean, what's going to happen? Are you going to just put like put all your thoughts and fluids on a USB stick and just do not ask me after the fight what is on the stick? I don't want to. I don't want to see what's on the stick, Rafe. But I think it's you're getting a little excited here. I'm excited, but Brian, I'm not going to pretend like this is, I, I was in on cruiserweights before they became the WBSS sensation that they became and are now relinquishing as they can't make the final fight. Uh, Hashtag so, road to Jetta dead. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm not going to pretend like I was in on this weight class all the time. I have been following Inoue. I've seen the other guys fight in their recent fights. But no, I, I just I don't have the same level of affection. I'm gonna I can't wait for the tournament. I think it could l- turn into something great. They're talking about Nonito Donaire drop trying to shrink down, get all the way back down to 118 for this, um, which idea. would be I guess go out sort of Mike Perez Mike, Mike Perez style in the first round. I hope if they see I don't know who would who gets the first um, who would get the first pick in that who would be the top seed and get to pick their opponent basically i don't want to see my guy nonito have to fight inoue in in the opening round that would be Uh, um unfortunate i hope richard chafer's got more respect for the great uh filipino flash uh nonito dinero you know come on come on guy but hey look obviously i'm not trying to make this seem like it's the first time i've seen it in a way fight it's not but when you see a guy go up another weight class and the power is that real you get excited all over again so that's why i'm fired up 
Of course, I'd like to see him against SSR at, at 115, but this guy's got much bigger plans. He's moving up. When that ceiling is going to hit, when the power won't be the same, we don't know yet, and it's fun to see. You know, We thought Manny was eventually going to hit that. He really never did, Rafe, until he maybe changed the uh, doses of his performance-enhancing audio. Oh, dude, come on, what am I, Paul e. Malinacci here? Come on, come on, come on, guy. You know, I mean, come on. You know, take out, I beat Paul, I beat Pauly, and I took his girl. Come on. Uh, but, Rafe, it's somebody to watch. He's climbing the pound-for-pound pound ladder. He's, you know, I think you hear him knocking, and I think he's coming in. And maybe, Rafe, if he wasn't from Japan, he'd be getting Loma-like love in the States, maybe. Outside of just guys like Cliff Rold and me and you and, and you know, our, Doug Fisher and all the other hardcores, he would be getting real love. Well, he has, to, he has, he's only fought here once. He's only fought on US TV. Well, I guess, I guess now he's fought on US streaming packages once as well. Uh, so he's, he keeps, I feel he keeps fighting. It'll get there. He's, he's, what's great is he's young and then he's only 25. And if he does manage to cut through bantamweight and rise again to 122, you know who's there. You know who's there. Who's there? It would be. A great night for Ghana boxing, Isaac Dogbay. <laughs> wow. Hey, you know how uh, Kel Brook calls his right hand the chocolate brownie? You know who Monster Inouye should call it? He should just call it the hot slice of beef, right? Another hot beef injection. It just, just, you know, just who's hung, who's hungry for that meat? You know, find me that lower third from Monaco with Triple G. Favorite food, meat. Just who's ready for it? You slipper the hot beef injection. That's what he should call that shot because it's for real. All right, Rafe. Speaking of foreign guys who I may mispronounce their names, and speaking of ESPN Plus, your guy from the Philippines, Jerwin Ancajas. Ancajas? Jerwin Ancajas. Jerwin Ancajas took part in Fresno in an all-Filipino Super Bowl, apparently the first time two Filipino guys fought in a title fight. I don't want to, I don't want you to take too deep of a detour exit here, but you are, you know, all things Filipino. But he took a UD-12 from the Sultan to defend his IBF 115-pound title. Uh, were you impressed? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, you don't have to say, you don't have to pull a Richie Swiss and... Let me say first something. Yeah, remember, remember. We have, we have a new Manny Pack. We, do we? Do we have a new Manny Pack? Or can we pull, can we pull all the way back on that? I would pull back on the new Manny Pacquiao, uh, in, with regards to Jerwin on Cass. He is Southpaw. That's interesting. That's, you know, that he has in common with Manny. Uh, and he fights well. He looked good. He basically outclassed Sultan, which was more or less expected. Sultan, a guy who sort of, you know, fought some tough fights to get that shot at the belt, but was not, yeah, just clearly was not the same level. And that's what we saw in the ring. Uh, but, you know, he, he, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't think I see him quite yet as belonging in the same discussion as uh, Sorungvisai and Estrada at the top of the 115-pound division. But, hell, he's winning fights. They're talking about setting up a a fight with the guy in the undercard, the British fighter, Kalia Fai, who looked really good in that win. And, look, if they – if they if he win, keep you know, if you keep winning, all of a sudden you belong in that conversation, and 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 he's got a chance. I don't I don't quite see it by the eye test, but that's why they have the fights. He was very accurate. I didn't see a ton of pop though. So if the idea, he said after the fight that he's ready for Sarisaketsu or Rungvisai, he's ready to eat that rat. You know what I mean? And right now, you know, you know, they say you know a wounded fighter is the most dangerous. SSR's heart is incredibly wounded from that breakup. Do not go anywhere near this guy. Don't look at the socks and think Keith Van Horn and think soft that you're going to walk in there. Do not go near this guy. By the way, your guy, 
Jerwin Ancaias, Ancaiesas, Godinez. You're, you're uh, doing great. Nickname is Pretty Boy, by the way. Pretty Boy. Is that is that is that work in the Philippines? Is that an acceptable nickname? Sure. What's wrong with Pretty Boy? All right, all right. It's a little. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's 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 a little soft, and then at the same time, it's also like Floyd's Pretty Boy. You're not Pretty Boy, Jerwin Ancaias. Is he the? Well, is Floyd he the gave up Floyd? Pretty Boy. Is Floyd, he the Filipino Floyd, Floyd? Yes or no? That's what I'm trying to ask you. Well, no, Filipino Floyd Mayweather is Mark Anthony Bariga at 105 pounds. The these rising strawweight. I mean, he, he and and he actually does a great Mayweather impression in the ring, like early Mayweather. Still moves around a lot, ton of like really pretty check left hooks. Has guys stumbling around. Now they're guys I've never heard of. They could be like tiny, uh, tiny little cab drivers. I don't know. But he looks really good doing it, and maybe he is really good. We'll see. All right, all right. I got a quick question for you. I need a short and quick answer. We saw a Twitter war break out between new top-ranked PR guy Evan Corner, Evan Corn, the Corner Man. I love that guy. Ek Evan Corn and Adam Abramowitz of Saturday Night Boxing fame over four ninety-nine for the ESPN app. It's too much. I'm already paying for this. I'm already paying for that. Somebody get me a stream, Rafe Bartholomew, for you personally. We talked about a few fights that were on there. We talked about you can watch Dan Raphael in his basement talk about boxing with his friends. Are you in yet on the four ninety nine for ESPN Plus? Or is this too much that we're asking fans? A couple weeks in, where yeah on this. I don't know if it's too much to ask fans. It's it's actually less than HBO asks for their subscription. Obviously you get a lot of other HBO programming if you're which people really like, but if you are solely a boxing fan, the amount of money you'd spend on HBO is probably better spent on something like ESPN Plus the way it's going now. We don't know what DAZN when it becomes available here in the states on streaming what that's going to cost people to see whatever Eddie Hearn is able to put together for them here in the States. Uh, and, and also Showtime, you know, is also probably costs more than $5 a month just as something you add on to your cable package. And obviously like HBO, you get a lot more than just boxing with that. And you, and I guess ESPN plus people would say you get a, plenty of softball and, and discus <laughs> throwing and, and soccer events that you might not otherwise get. So, uh, but I think uh I don't think it's too much. I think and, and the li- the fight library that they have there, I honestly I don't have it yet, so you it's tell decent. me if there I've is a fight it. library. The fight library's decent. It's decent. The thing is these days YouTube is your fight. Like remember pre YouTube? You know what I was doing in 2004 and 2005? Spending You had a- to go to Ray Pop. Oh wow. Wow. That was, wow. Yeah, yeah, wow. Um I was hanging out with Ray Pop type guys. I was sending at, I had an addiction level so high, I was sending like $50 a month to these dudes to make me DVD collections of these fighters, and then YouTube to came be, around. To be 100% clear, if the FBI is listening, the videos that the Ray Pop guys were making for Brian Campbell were boxing videos, adult boxing videos. Yes, yes. I had to pick them up at Subway, though, but that, that's just uh, <laughs> a rare coincidence. Um, But, yeah, once YouTube came around, you didn't need anything anymore. By the way, every good fight, for the most part, is on YouTube. I like on this ESPN Plus that you can di- you can dip somewhat into the top-ranked library, right? There's, like, five Ali fights. There's, like five Manny fights, you know, which is good. You can watch uh, one, two, and three of the Marquez rivalry, for example. So it's it's pretty decent, but it's not like UFC Fight Pass or the WWE Network where it's like every fight ever. Go go for it. Go dive in. It's not like I can go out. You know, it's not every it's, – it's a small amount. But, hey, maybe it's the start of something. We'll see what's going on. Um, I, yeah, so basically I think it is I – th- I don't think it's too much. I don't think it's crazy to ask for. The only thing I – and I've said this before, the thing I have not appreciated is the way that they have held that, – that Top Rank and ESPN have turned – 
Crawford Horn, which is a legitimately bigger fight that deserves a bigger stage at this point in time because ESPN Plus is a brand new app. They probably don't have a huge subscriber base yet. Uh, I don't think, I think that fight should be on linear TV to get the greatest possible audience. You, Terrence Crawford deserves that. He's one of the very best fighters in the sport. Uh, so that I disagree with and, and I'm holding out until after that fight in sort of a meaningless protest. But after that, I do plan on getting the, the app. You're Manny Pacquiao. You do not need to be getting knocked out and put to sleep by Joe Horn. Uh, Rafe, what we saw on the Monster Inouye undercard on ESPN Plus was a guy you featured in last week's Respect Box newsletter, the great Ken Shiro. I hadn't heard of this guy until I read your newsletter, and I watched that fight on replay. He was in the co-main event. He scored an early knockout, but I bring this up because did you see what happened after the fight? I actually did not watch right. the, the what happened after the fight. Okay, here. he knocks the dude out. Everyone's celebrating. Yeah. Shiro goes into the corner and gets down on one knee, and it looked like he might be starting to pray, and the camera kept on him. And then he quickly jumped up, spun around with the double P sign in the biggest S-eating grin I've ever seen. It was like the like double P sign. This guy has some like Ryan Garcia potential in terms of us just like uh, getting behind him. I think maybe the yeah he, he's he's got this very the I I I was attra- I was attracted to his not, I don't know about attracted to him but I was attracted to his <laughs> style. I, I noticed a couple weigh in pictures where he was doing the double throwing up the double P sign sort of the the K-pop or or kawaii whatever you're supposed to call it gesture with the huge smile. He has this weird sort of nest of curly hair. He looks ridiculous for a fighter but apparently is not a bad fighter and that 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 juxtaposition always goes well that's one of the fun things about the sport you get these guys who don't cut the regular image of of a guy who knocks people out but apparently they do I'm going to be following this guy for, for, for good moving forward another guy who caught my attention the past few weeks was two Saturdays ago Josh Warrington unanimous decision 12 over Lee Selby to claim that IBF uh, featherweight crown 126 in an already loaded division that we were talking about with Russell, Santa Cruz, Mars, on and on. Warrington's suddenly a player. No pop, Rafe, but he was all over Selby from start to finish. Deserved the decision. And now here's another guy that I want to start seeing more of. I don't consider him faceless British guy that, that Linares may one day end up taking the soul of. No, I consider him a guy I need to watch. Well, here's the problem with that, Brian. You're right. And, and it, that was really sort of an up, one of those uplifting boxing moments where a guy who was, they, they almost was the, the, before the fight, it was talked about like he's basically just getting a, a hometown fight almost as a, hey, he's a nice guy. He deserves this. His, his people will love it, but he's still going to lose. No one really thinks he's going to win. Goes out there, has the night of his life, gets the belt. No, no controversy. His in front of his hometown, people losing their minds, and, and just this great, great moment that the sport gives you. Problem, of course, when you overachieve in boxing, is that what's waiting for you at the next step is never pretty. And eventually, because they're both promoted by Frank Warren, that's going to be Carl Frampton, and Carl Frampton probably against a guy who is a pressure fighter with not a lot of pop is going to make him look pretty bad and just win easily. And that, and then the, the, the wonderful Josh Warrington ride will end and that'll be fine. And then, you know, he'll be back in the same uh, work su- job site as your favorite fighter. And the plasterer for the local council. Joe with Joe Smith Jr. right there. Hey, to close out on recent fights, we want to talk about weird PBC fight from Saturday that I didn't even know that was happening. Uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this, all right? Are you ready for me? Oh, good luck. Tug Sagat Nyambayar. 
took a TKO three over es- Oscar Escondón, knocked him down five times, Rafe, in sort of a sloppy slugfest. I know how you get like a but, uh, Rafe, what I like about this is this guy, Nayem Bayar, we, we need to call Rafe Flores and get the correct pronunciation. He called that fight for the PBC. His nickname? King Tug. King Tug! Written across his belt line. King Tug! This is like, the, how many, you know, how many, how many rub jokes can I make right now? It's like, King Tug? Are you kidding me? This guy's the best! I- I just hope that King Tug doesn't have stamina issues as his career goes on because oh. the uh, the load watch guys are going to be all over that. So oh, my God. Oh, wow. Anybody who does not like this movement, get ready. King Tug. By the way, if you're Oscar, Oscar Escondone and you're getting dropped five times to King Tug, then, you know. I know this sounds terrible. I think you should finish. All right. I'm sorry. It's too harsh, but it's true. No, it's, look, I think I think Oscar Escondón deserves a little bit of harshness after that gift he got against our guy Tyson Cave all the way back, Night of Champions, PBC, <laughs> yes. ESPN, Friday Night Fights. Temecula gets no better. <laughs> that was that was a classic night. By the way, Sergio Mora getting dropped off camera. There's not one piece of film to prove that that actually happened against MMA fighter. That Deshaun and Jordan Johnson. Crawford dunking on LeBron James. Oh yes. Hey Rafe, let's get into some latest news since you know we don't have anything to talk about this week. So I figured we could just crack jokes, play the soundboard. But Canelo and Triple G keep sliding back into the news a little bit because Oscar De La Hoya is using the public interweb wave. You know using the public interweb to publicly negotiate. So uh, the latest, Rafe, is that Oscar's like, oh, we're moving off this fight. First, he gave an exclusive to Mike Coppinger. And, you know, you laugh at that idea of being exclusive because Coppinger works for The Ring, which is owned by Golden Boy and lives in the, you know, whatever. whatever. So uh, exclusive that, you know, we're, we're going to move on from this fight. We're going to pull out. And then you hear uh, Eric Gomez of Golden Boy saying, they thought they had a deal with Triple G, then Triple G changed it. Well, look, we know what's really going on here. Triple G thinks he deserves more money because Canelo effed up and blew the first fight. So can we meet in the middle and find a number? Where are you at confidence-wise that this is a big song and dance to get 3% percentage of the pay-per-view you know, in, my, in one of their pocket and that we will end up seeing this happen? Should we panic? Where's your panic level right now? I mean, in all likelihood, that's what it is. Uh, it was interesting that after the suspension, both fighters wanted an extra five percentage points in the other direction. I don't understand why Canelo wants an extra five percentage points for, you know, messing up the first fight. Um, but at the same time, Golovkin doesn't really deserve that anymore. Yeah, he could say, I didn't screw up the first fight. But money-wise, Canelo is still bringing the money to the fight. I don't know where the Triple G's leverage is in this. But it's not crazy to at least poke, you know, kick the tires a little bit and see if you can squeeze a few extra points, a little bit of extra money out of it. I hope that's all it is. There's always because it's Canelo, because there's this, uh, you know, there's this sense that that Golden Boy has protected him for good reason. Uh, you have a cash cow like that, you don't want to cash it out. Uh, but there's always been a sense that that Golden Boy has protected him, whether it was trying to wait out the Triple G fight as long as it could. Maybe now being concerned about having to fight Triple G off of a year long layout layoff and and thinking, well, maybe let's wait him out. Let's let's milk this guy a little longer and and see if he gets even older. Uh, and also Canelo always having options. He can make 
almost as good a money against a lot of other guides, Can whereas he, Triple G does not have that. Can he, though? Uh, That's the key question here, because Oscar's saying, you know, oh, well, well, we're calling up Billy Joe Saunders, we're calling up Jamal Charles. By the way, you're not calling up Jamal Charles. So you yeah, look, the person there, right? that, that is the funny thing about when Oscar, whenever Oscar and Eric Gomez do this, like, listing off the opponents, they're like, there's Billy Joe Saunders out there, there's... Danny Jacobs, there's Jamal Charlo, there's Gary O'Sullivan. You're like, whoa, 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 what just happened there? Whoa, how <laughs> this did is this, like a how Floyd did... bait and switch. Yeah. Do you want right. me to fight uh, Devin <laughs> Alexander or do you want me to fight Kareem Mayfield? Uh, uh, and so you know it's going to be O'Sullivan. I, I, you know it's if, – if this fight – if the Triple G fight doesn't have – it's going to be O'Sullivan who has the deal on Golden uh, – with Golden Boy right now who will be available because all he had to do in May was fight a, a Berlin Abreu, a very sad welterweight forced to fight at 160. Uh, and the whole it's – go, it's going to be the crap O'Sullivan fight. And I think Canelo makes a lot of money off that because they can probably offer – O'Sullivan, the old Floyd flat fee, right? Oh, okay. We'll give you the biggest payday of your career. It'll be seven figures, low millions. You'll touch an M and the, all the points go to Canelo. Well, you can you imagine that? Can you imagine if Gary O'Sullivan is touching M's before Jamal Charlo, the field day wow. Danny Jacobs would have with that? I'd just be like, don't, don't say that word, Jamal Charlo, because you don't mean that. And by the way, you don't mean Danny Jacobs either. You don't even mean, mean Billy Joe Saunders. And here's the thing for the hard truth for Canelo. Triple G, for as dangerous as he is, is a better stylistic matchup and almost an easier fight. And you can fight me on that one, but almost an easier fight than having to deal with Charlo's power and athleticism, Jacob's size, power and athleticism, and Saunders' annoying style, which, yes, I know the judges will probably be ready to give Canelo the decision no matter what. The adolescent bird. But at the same time, that's a Swiss Army knife that, that you may not want to walk into. So Triple G is at least the most basic style, if you will, where Canelo knows that he can compete with it. So I don't believe that they want any of those except for Spike O'Sullivan. But here's the key here. I like that Triple G's being tough. I like that he's being like, no, you screwed up, bro. We should have been doing this in May. I didn't want to fight Vonis. We had to because of you. But just like Triple G mouthing off too much, which forced Nevada to actually suspend that fight, he's in this dangerous spot where he doesn't want to mouth off too much, where he's going to lose this payday. Because he can't make that same against anybody else. He can't. He just can't do it. But I also think Canelo can't either. So they do, in the end, need each other, Rafe. So I think we will see this. They'll both bend where they need to bend. I think Oscar's more desperate than we realize right now. Every one of Oscar's fighters not named Canelo, Rafe, they're losing every time they step up. Like, every one in a row. We're really down to Canelo, and you have to assume that Golden Boy took a big financial hit not getting that May 5th payday. They do need a big payday, right? Because we've seen in that lawsuit, that that Golden Boy versus PBC lawsuit that was, I guess was settled, but some papers were leaked back a year or two ago that we saw just the amount of money, the the, the percentage of Golden Boy's total earnings that come from just Canelo Alvarez fighting, and that that alone basically floats the rest of the business. And so they need, yeah, they need him to fight, and they need him in as big a big a money fights as they can make safely. So, hey, Oscar, it's time to, like, stop this public charade, put the, you know, slit your wrist, get a little blood out of there, sign the contract in blood, and when people say who you want to fight, it's Gennady Golovkin all the way. You need this money. We need this fight. By the way, if it doesn't happen, who are we? If it, What's the one name? Give me one name. Who do we blame the most in this scenario if it doesn't happen? 
Who do we blame the most? Yeah, what, Canelo. What? He's the one who he's the one who tested positive, blew up the first fight, and and he's he's also the one who can tell his promoters, no, make this rematch. I want this guy is calling me a cheater now. In addition to saying that he beat me, in addition to people, including my countrymen, thinking he is a better fighter than me, like Canelo is the person with the power to say, screw all these games, make a deal. I'm fighting him. Period. All right. Well, you sent me some uh, good sound of Vanas post Triple G fight, where he had some advice for Canelo on how to fight uh, Triple G in the rematch. Canelo um, has a lot to prove. Uh, I see why he's eating that kind of meat, because <laughs> I see why he's trying to get the extra edge. Um. Hey, hey, a little, 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 little inside job right there. But to his credit, though, he has tasted the power of Triple G, and he knows it's. It's like a moving vehicle. It's intense. That guy hits like a train, and every single punch is like a train. It's like, it's like a train, you know? So, uh, by the way, I went down a long rabbit hole of uh, Triple G Vana sound and ended up finding some weird Don King stuff. You're going to see Destiny take his place on Saturday night with this great fighter. Uh, what is, how you say it? Gennady? <laughs> Golovkin? Yeah, it's from Kazakhstan. Well, the spirits of Kazakhstan is showering down on us now. And then he went on this weird rant. Kazakhstan forever. Kazakhstan forever. And then he even shouted out and threw under the bus your boy Edmund Tarverdian, you know, of uh, head movement. Head, head movement. movement. And Vanis, I want you to come up here and tell these people what you're going to do, why you're fighting. You're fighting for the cause of the people. And we have a great staff member with us. With, uh, how you say your name? Edmund. Edmund. Edmund is right there. Edmund is right there with fantasy. He does everything but take the blows, but he feels the pain. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, so, he feels the pain, bro. He does take a few blows, too, that guy. That guy not, not, the stock is not rising right now on, on good old Edmund. All right, Rafe. Canelo flexing his A-side muscle. On Grantland. Remember that website Grantland back in the day that you were like the, the backbone, the heart and soul of that thing? And you and the great Eric Raskin used to put out a story called the pound-for-pound relevancy rankings in the sport, which essentially looked at boxers not from a pound-for-pound ability standpoint, but from a marketability standpoint. What do you bring to the table? Do people outside of boxing know your name? With Floyd and Cotto out and Manny soon out, I wanted to sort of see where we're at right now. Who do we actually think holds the most power, A-side-wise, financial-wise, ratings on TV-wise? Are you ready to reveal sort of your top five relevancy ratings in the sport right now? Sure, how you want to do it? You want to go right down the list? You want to go back and forth? What's going on hit here? Me, hit me. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear where you're sitting at, and I'll, I'll, I'll point and counterpoint here. Start off with number five here. All right, look, man, I don't think it's that uh, I don't think it's that complicated anymore because we, we still know who the, the biggest fighters are. Start number at five, I think I'm going to go. Start at the number top. Number five, Deontay Wilder. Okay, okay, okay. Still can't still, – still doesn't fill arenas, but uh, – can bring ratings, I guess. But you see the way that he, he brings ratings, and he's also being mentioned because of the the hype that is building, genuine hype over the Anthony Joshua fight. I mean, you have Anthony Joshua going to the Western Conference Finals, sitting in the crowd in Golden State, and Reggie Miller t- saying, "I cannot wait to see a fight between Deontay <laughs> Wilder and Anthony Johnson." I wish I had um, that sound right now. Yes. Uh. So, but but there is and. Anthony Joshua was on Conan last week. Deontay Wilder has been on sort of an unprecedented media tour for him, doing a lot of TV shows, radio, breakfast club after the Ortiz fight. So he's out there. And and because of the hype over that big heavyweight fight and because he is 
the only American heavyweight title holder, then I think he is number five on this list. All right. Ooh. It smells smell like Doritos. It, it does indeed. All right. All right. I, I can stand by that. Go give me number four. What do you got? Number four. I haven't thought too hard about this, but I will go with um, – I'm going to go hmm. Triple G at number four. You, you got any problems with that? Yeah, go ahead. Do it. I, th- I think Triple G – I, I was going to have him higher, but tell me why he should be four. I think four because he doesn't move pay-per-view buys, but he is a solid and strong guy at filling arenas and giving you that mil- 1.3, 1.5 million. He's, no, he's the new Miguel Cotto. I hate to say that. HBO, that no that matter was the who, Cotto role yes. in the pay-per-views, right? No matter who he fights on HBO, he's going to give you 1.5 million. He's just not an A-side in a pay-per-view. But you got to give him credit. When he fought Canelo, what did that fight do? 1.3, something like that? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that, that's in this numbers. day and age, 1.3 one of the is better, solid. One of the better post-Floyd Manny pay-per-view numbers, period. Let's not forget, Canelo Cotto did what, like 900,000? Yeah. Or 1 million even? And, and, you know, so Triple G is legit at this point. He's just not an A-side. He's basically today's top B-side, if you want to argue. Number three is where we're going to get into a little bit of debate here, okay? I think we will. Because I, I think, think we will. What do you got? Go ahead. Well, well, see, yeah, the problem here is I could come up with a clear four, and we've gone through two of them, and I know who I have as my top two. So number three is pretty tricky for me, and I think I'm just going to go out there with your boy A.B. because he's still got that yes, pop. He's relevant. Yes, he is. So I had him at five, but the thing is, cable-wise, him and Golovkin, I think, are the, are the two guys right now. Like A.B. versus anybody, you're going to get a million viewers on Showtime. You know what? I forgot. I forgot. Let me take him back. Actually – yeah, I'm, I'm going to drop AB from my list because I still think Wilder because has a little bit more relevancy because he's going to be in bigger, more relevant fights. Will so my be, number yes. three will be Manny because he is still active. There we go. I have Manny at number three. And it's hard to sort of try to put together what is his brand still worth because the last few times he was a pay-per-view A-side against marginal competition, right? The Algeries, the Vargases, the Brandon Rioses. He's not moving product. He's doing, you know, even Tim Bradley the third time around. What was he doing? Like four or five hundred, you know, four hundred thousand buys? I mean, by the way, th- to stay in age, 400,000 buys is actually a good pay-per-view, which is sad. But Manny, if you're going to put him on regular TV like he was against Joe Hahn, uh, you're going to do big numbers. You're going to do giant numbers. So he's st- in name value. That did almost $4 million. That was huge for, for a Saturday night in July on, on cable, and that was one of the bigger – Numbers you'll see in sports period for for that kind of date. And all it took was one man to have a dream that even his wife didn't understand. <laughs> yeah, right, Jeffrey. No, right. I don't think Jeffrey. so. But anyway, it's good to dream, you know. Yeah, all right. Imagine having her in your corner, Rafe. In your corner, Joe Horn. Uh, yeah, so Manny at number three because name value, obviously, if he could B-side right now against anybody, Lomachenko, anybody, he's going to elevate them to a giant level. And then one and two are obvious, but in which order? That's That's the debate. Anthony Joshua and Canelo Alvarez, who legitimately right now is the most relevant fighter in boxing in your eyes? Because in this country, it's still Canelo, but worldwide, man, how do you compete with what AJ, as Vlad would say, is doing? AJ, AJ. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, man, you know what? I think even though, and there have been times when I have said, no, nah, I think it's, I think it's Anthony Joshua is the, is the biggest draw in the sport or the, the most relevant fighter. I think it's still Canelo. He still commands until AJ gets into American pay-per-view and and gives us proof that there is another guy who can command that kind of audience. Then Canelo, I think, deserves that 
that wow. crown, that face of boxing. Ginger on Ginger Love. I love me some Saul Canelo Alvarez. Wow, all right, all right, I'll give you that, I'll give you that. Uh, I had, by the way, Vasily Lomachenko as an honorable mention. He's he's climbing fast, right? I mean, the ESPN push is really helping him. So I think you could argue that guys like, even like a Danny Garcia are kind of on the outskirts of there, still does big numbers when he fights on Showtime or ESPN. Well, yeah, no, uh, he has a huge boost from the social media fame of both his his amazing father, Crazy Angel Garcia, on Instagram, and his younger sisters who inexplicably have millions of followers on Instagram. What are they? The it's S-I-N- a thing I don't even want to think about or discuss. It just it's just out there, and I don't even know. The Cy Angie twins is that how you say it? I, I can't say it until they're eighteen. I, I don't I'm think I'm guessing I can it would be C Angie twins. C-Angie, but I, I look, don't. We speak. can't even. Let's not. Oh God! No, please get me. Get me. You know. Let's go back to Angel for a second and just you get me away from going that. to prom with Ryan Garcia. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Tyrone style. Yeah, Tyrone style. All right. Hey, Rafe. We got some more mo- news to uh, to slip through here and run through. All right. Our guy Tyson Fury. Right. The, the like. Our guy, right? Like, shout you know, shout out to the Gypsy Crew. Shout out to the Gypsy Boy. Oh, oh, come on, what time? Give me, give me the Irish right? Crew. Oi, oi! Pick a punches like Mike Tyson. Like a hardcore porno. Uh, I jumped the gun. I shot my load on there. I jumped the gun. One, one uh, you know, shout out to the uh, 40, 80K Crew, Alex Godinez. He finally has an opponent, Ray, for a fight that's like a week away. It'll be against, uh, which a lot of people have compared to the name of a uh, Beach Boy song, Surfing Safari, Sefer Safari, Rafe. Well, they'll face, he'll face him on his June 9th comeback. All right, Tyson Fury's in real good shape, by the way. You watch the videos now. The jawline is tight. He's back. He's dropped a lot of stone. He's not in that good a shape. He is in, uh, compared to good. like when he was posing with his shirt off for Ricky, with Ricky Hatton in the disgusting photographs, he's in great shape. He lost probably 150 pounds. He's still, he's probably still 30, 40, 50 pounds heavier than he was when he fought. How Let's many go. stone is that though? That's what we really, all right, forget that. So Se- Sefer Safari <laughs> is 23 and one with 21 KOs, but man, is that a facade? He's 39 years old, Rafe. He's an Albanian from Macedonia who fights out of Switzerland. His only time he's ever fought anybody with a pulse, he dropped a wide decision in 2016 to Manuel Char. And as recently as three years ago, he fought a guy with an 0-5 record. So he's Srisaket Sarangvasai approved in that regard. This is an obvious patsy that's being propped up. Do you care? A guy that I would guess really has, like, no panache, no panache whatsoever. Do you care about this fight now? No panache, no size. He's a, he's a cruiserweight. He's a blown-up cruiserweight. Oh, you love him. And the best thing – look, I, I, I listen to the uh, the BBC Five Live boxing podcast. Wow. Just to get a little taste of what's going on on the other side of the pond with Steve Bunce, you know, and – and the best thing they could say about Sefer Safari was he won't be all tubby in the ring. So that's that's it. You know, he's going to come in and look like an athlete, sort of. All right. All right. Well, yeah. yeah. I can lay Yes, the post-fight song, the serenade, will be, in the end, the top part of what we care about for this fight. No, obviously, we want to see what Fury, look, Fury looks like. I keep calling him Furry. Maybe because he's, he's got some hairy chest going on. Not not the full-on Nikolai Valuev. You he's know, got, but, like, the taco meat, you know? Yeah, little, yeah, little yeah. Little basic little, taco little meat. tainted beef on there. All right, another news, Rafe. Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn, our guy, right? <laughs> he survived a three-car accident in his native Brisbane last week, but says he will not pull out of the June 9th bout against Terrence Crawford in Las Vegas. 
that he's lucky that he got out unscathed without any serious injury. And I think it's once again him and promoter Dean Longgren showing us that us Yanks are just soft. Man, you should just harden up. Like, seriously, bang it full of quarters and get on with it. They'll be yeah, I mean, just... Great. These Yanks are nowhere near as tough as they make themselves out to be, and I can't wait for our Australian boy to go up and kick his ass. I think he just banged it out with some cortisone, but he's back. We will have this fight. You got you to gotta admire his toughness. Yeah, well, it sounded like he just got rear-ended, and, and that has happened to me on several occasions, unfortunately. It's probably happened to a lot of our listeners. It, you don't want it to happen. It can be very bad, but... Unless you get hit really hard, it's, it's not the end of the world. So I'm not surprised that he's sticking with it. There's money in it for him, and uh, you know he's he wants to he wants to show these these princesses out here in Nebraska what's what's what a real man is about. Yeah, Dean Lonegrand did take a shot again at at Bud Crawford for pulling out with that hand injury. And you talked about getting hit hard. This is something that Jeff Horn might learn on June 9th. Oh, no. Hey, that black guy, he hits hard. So good luck to you. Hey, I wanted to bring up this piece of news. It's a couple weeks old, but I got some extra things to throw on there. It's interesting. Bob Arum talked to Fight Hype. You sent me some sound. I just want to play that super fast right here if I can find that. He has a I mean, I really don't even I mean, I, I, I don't think, I think you should ask Floyd. Floyd calls on, and I think he was pissed off at Davis, and he wanted to see Davis destroyed. So the gist of that, it's something we teased in the past, is that the, Floyd's mad at Tank Davis, his own fighter under Mayweather Promotions, Javante Davis, and that he called Todd DeBuff of Top Rank to offer him to the as the sacrificial lamb to Vasily Lomachenko, and there's a lot of rumors, Rafe, about what this beef is between Floyd and Davis. And there's, like, some people are even saying, like, Davis slept with Floyd's daughter or some crap like that. I talked to some people inside Floyd's camp. They did tell me that part is not true, but that Davis did two things. He ran his mouth foul about Floyd, and it got back to Money May. And he didn't take his career seriously, specifically in that prop-up co-main event bout at the Mayweather-McGregor card last year, which, of course, we saw Davis miss weight, come in and, you know, do a lot of taunting against, what's that guy's name? Francisco, Francisco that he beat? You know that guy. That oh, guy. the guy that, that Davis beat yeah, on the yeah. McGregor undercard? Good I didn't Lord. even, is that even a fighter? I just thought they found him somewhere. Yeah, so uh, there seems to be a legitimate beef here to the point that Bob's confirming that Floyd is actually calling Todd saying, beat our guy. Rafe, like, this is interesting. I don't think we, we went deep enough in this. Like, Floyd being mad enough at his own guy that he's like, let me cash you out against Loma. Like, the thing about what Loma really is, you know, Teddy Atlas once called him the test maker. But you don't know what's inside until that test comes. And guess what? Lomachenko is the test man. He's not the machine. He's the test maker. He tests you. He tests you deep inside, not outside, not on the surface. What's inside? That's what he does. He tests you on the inside, Rafe, deep. Uh, do you buy this? Do you buy these rumors? I mean, do you legitimately think that Floyd is mad enough to cash him out? Do you care? Are you fired up? You think this is a real fight? I need your take on this. It sounded like Teddy was having a flashback to some of those wild nights up in the Catskills with Cuss, oh, man. On. I don't oh, know. Oh, come on. Uh, By the, oh, come on. Do you think he cares what you have to say? You think I care about what the freak that guy that acted that way, that behaved that way, that I care what he thinks I'm saying? No. I don't. He doesn't. He doesn't care what you think about that. So how dare um, you? How dare you? No, look. There? There's there's definitely something there between Floyd and Tank Davis. I mean, Davis also was at the Gary Russell Jojo Diaz fight and gave a few long interviews where they talked to him about it, and he's kind of coy about it. 
saying, admitting that there have been some disagreements, not going so far as to like really inflame it, but also if he were, you know, if he were, I, I would say the the safest career thing to do would just say none of that is for real. This is all fake. Me, it's all love between me and Floyd. He is the greatest fighter of my generation. I look up to him and I want to have a career just as good as, you know, just dead it. And even if there's, even if it's not going to make the relationship better behind the scenes, playing, playing coy with it, playing games with it, with the videographers, with the press isn't going to help. It's only going to tease out little more details and more rumors and it isn't going to help whatever. And and also I I can understand, I kind of make sense why Floyd would be, kind of would be upset about the way Tank Davis came to the undercard fight uh last August uh for for McGregor Mayweather and was blue weight didn't look good didn't perform particularly well cuz the thing we know about Floyd is despite all of the mon- the money Mayweather character all of the flash everything he owns all of the 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 things that he shows us he has always been the as much a professional as any fighter could ever be in situations where just about every other fighter with that level of money and time on his hands and everything else doesn't handle it as well, right? In terms of the sure. commitment to the sport, to training, he's still, everybody pretty much believes that he's still going out there and training, whether or not he ever fights again, he's still keeping himself in shape and probably is sparring and taking rounds. Cause you just don't, cause that's who he is. He's got, he, and so, other fighters, the younger fighters saw Money Mayweather, but they didn't see what he, or they didn't take to heart what he was doing to be Money Mayweather. Wow. And hard work, dedication. You can see where he just cuts guys off. He's like, "All right, you're not about this. You're not, yeah. you're not serious about this." But you don't want him to fight Loma. I mean, Loma's like a like a signal caller. Lomachenko's a quarterback. He's Brady. He's, he's Montana. He's, oh, he's stop young. it! He's done it all. Yes, he Look, is. Forgive me, ladies and gentlemen. He is. He is. He's, he's, he's like a, like a modern day quarterback. All right, Rafe, we, we are pushing late with nothing to talk about. We are pushing late here. Uh, I want to get a one word answer on your thought. And Eddie Hearn wants to book Kell Brook against Jarrett Hurd for a 154 title. Even though Brook was rumored to be fighting Khan, how many more eyes does Brook have left that you could break? I mean, you can't, you down with this? One word? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, speaking of Hearn. Adrian Broner sent him to hell via Instagram, shooting down, showing the actual contract and email from Hearn in which AB shot down a one-year, three-fight deal worth $6.75 million to fight three times on DAZN, even though AB only made a million each in his last two fights. Subsequently, AB tweeted out a picture of Showtime saying, I am loyal to Steven Espinoza and Al Heyman. And both AB and Espinoza have publicly said that AB actually makes more per fight than we know about. Rafe, good move by AB, who also turned down like, what was it, like $8 million a couple years ago to join Rock Nation for four fights? Well, it was four, It was supposed to be $40 million over five years. $40 oh, million. Forty million over five, over five years, years. Five, yes. for forty million five fight deal was what he turned eight million supposedly a year. Down. So this is one year six point seven five million. That was eight million a year for five years that he turned down. So do you think he's touching M's behind the scenes that we don't see? Possibly, sure. Um, look, uh, I think also everybody got all worked up. Oh my God, AB destroyed. He dunked on Hearn. He he burned him. Whatever. That's good for Eddie Hearn. Now now fighters who maybe aren't getting the side money from 
endorsements or extra money at the gate because he's the headliner. Uh, usually when Broner fights, uh, you know, whatever other lines of income he's getting from from boxing that that don't that don't come directly from the the reported purses. Uh, other fighters may not get as big a cuts of those things because they aren't as big a names as Adrian Broner, but they may be very good and worth putting on TV and they'll see that Eddie Hearn is throwing this money around and they'll want some of it. So I think that's just good. You haven't seen Eddie Hearn come. I, have you heard Eddie Hearn come out and sound upset or burnt no. about that? No, I think he's probably pretty happy that, that, Adrian Broner is doing his public relations for him. Yeah. And by the way, Chavez Jr. also doing the public relations for him, basically coming out as he's challenging Sergio Mora for a fight at the for the 169 Lanil title. Lanil, he's saying, uh, I'm signing with uh, Eddie Hearn. So, uh, hey, DAZN, you might have some uh, some pink undies in your 169 weight category. Brian is a is a hot one. We're basically wherever Julio is fighting is going to be big. And if you don't like that, you know what you can do. You have a problem? Turn off your station. All right, Rafe. The final bit of news this week was Jack Johnson, the late heavyweight champion, the first African American, was pardoned by President Donald Trump. Decent news in the Oval Office. We saw Deontay Wilder, Lennox Lewis. Good to hear. I'm not going to get political with you, but I will get you this sound, Rafe. Tell me what you think about this. Lennox, if I really went and started working out, could I take Deontay in a fight? <laughs> This is 40 and 0, 39 knockouts. Could I take him in a fight if I really went to work? You have to get past those long arms. <laughs> I got yeah. They're long arms. They're right? long arms. They're long arms, Rafe. You know what? I encourage the president to uh, get in shape and find out. Wow. Do you think he could beat Mitt Romney, though? Remember Romney sparred with Holyfield that time? Yeah, I, he might be able to beat Mitt I mean, he he wants to fight Joe Biden, right? They had their little oh, Twitter yes. beef where they were talking about taking each other outside behind the school back in the 40s or whenever they were in high school. Well, well uh, uh, Sly Stallone was also in the Oval Office that day, and Trump's a big fan of his movie career. Everybody knows Sly, and what a job he's done. One of, I tell you what. I love his movies, and I don't care if it's Rambo or Rocky. I still don't know which I like better, right? He hasn't watched any Sly movies, has he? It sounds. I mean, he knows Rambo and Rocky. I personally like the old one way back in the early '80s with Billy D. Williams when they play undercover decoy cops in New York, and they go dress up as grandmothers in the subway station so people will rob them, and then they turn, they flip it on them. They're like, "Ah, I got you." Which one's that? Oh man, Rucker Howard's in it. It's called like Nighthawks or Night. It's got a kind of a dirty sounding name. Wow, wow. I, I can call up his uh, filmography there. Is that Nighthawks, 1981? Wow. All that's right, the all one. Right. That's the I was going to say Cobra is like the most underrated role in his career. I mean, oh, that is. I mean, that's that is more of an iconic slide. I mean, the, but the, even in the, the iconic matchstick, realm, the matchstick. But even in that realm, you know, on, on par with the Rockies, the Rambo's, the over the top, the Tango and Cash, Cobra doesn't get its just due. People like haven't seen it for some reason. Like it's 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 almost it's like the only time uh, Stallone mixed what we love about Seagal and Schwarzenegger together and made his own version. That's pretty much what it is, right? Yeah, it's one of the. I mean, he doesn't. He, Stallone didn't do a lot of of cop badass whatever movies where he's beating up people. He, he or or Cobra really just shoots people, but still. Uh, yeah, it's it's different from he was all Rambo, all this army stuff. He's kind of more in the Chuck Norris vein of action star than in the the Van Damme Seagal vein. All right, all right. We should do a whole podcast on that sometime, right? Oh, uh, we could do a whole year's worth. Wow, wow. All right, Rafe, let's throw to some sound we have here with former UFC champion Rico Rodriguez, who's headlining this weekend's bare knuckle fighting championship in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Yes, get fired up for this good interview. Enjoy. <laughs> 
Enrico Suave back in the building. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, we, that's how I would do it. That's how we do it. We will see you Saturday, June 2nd, of course, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship on pay-per-view. Hey, Cheyenne, Wyoming, Rico. The fight world capital, a little obscure place here. You excited about going out in the Wild West for this one? Listen, there's nothing better than uh, than real cowboys. Uh, you know, coming out to uh, drink a couple beers and, and, and watch us do some uh, bare knuckle fighting. There you know, is. I'm excited just because they they, they had the, uh, the courage to step up and uh, sanction it. So to me, you know, kudos to them and hats off and, you know, I think it's going to be amazing if the local people come out and see and uh, cheer us on. Now, first legal, regulated, and sanctioned bare-knuckle event in the U.S. since 1889. So, hey, little bit of history there for Rico Suave in the main event yeah. of this one. Yeah. How did you get involved? You know, when you first hear, hey, we'd like you to main event this bare-knuckle card. Well, what kind of questions do you have at that moment? Well, first, my, my biggest question is make sure the check clears. That's number one. <laughs> <laughs> number two... uh just, you know, the opportunity, I get a lot of calls and a lot of things from all around the world. I haven't really fought the U.S. soil uh, in quite some time. So, you know, this was an opportunity to come back and, you know, be back on pay-per-view. Uh, you know, I helped rebuild the UFC when it, when it was, you know, repurchased by the Petitas from Art Davey. Uh, you know, I had to go to Pensacola to the pay-per-view and explain to them what mixed martial arts was and what the UFC was. Uh, you know, this is no different uh from the same get up, you know, here we are almost 17, 20 years later, I'm pretty much doing the same thing, helping people understand what bare knuckles is. Basically, a lot of people don't understand these fights have been going on all around the world. Just you haven't really heard about it. It's it's been on the underground and there's been big fights, big gambling on it. And, you know, when you listen to some of the stories of some of the fighters like Bobby guns and, you know, when I, when I was helping, you know, Quentin rampage Jackson and, uh, Michael Bisning and Czech Congo train in Liverpool at the Wolfslayer, I would see these documentaries and these videos of these gypsies that would fight and uh, they would pretty much scrap. And I'm like, this is like a straight up boxing. There was as much as most people would think it was barbaric and brutal. There was a lot of respect and a lot of commodity amongst the people and also the fighters that were fighting. And it was really how they squared things up. Um, you know, whether it was a, a bed, whether it was a, a disrespect between both families Whatever it was, I mean, I, I would watch these documentaries and be like, wow, I just can't believe people are doing this. I can't remember the last time I was in a bare knuckle fight, probably when I was 16 years old, uh, you know, here in, 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 in Patterson or, you know, Jersey City, you know, we scrapped you know, amongst our neighborhoods. That was, that was it. There was nothing else. Uh, but, you know, here, you know, later on, I became a UFC champion, fought many different parts of the world, you know, 80 professional fights. Uh, and, and this opportunity presented itself. And I said, you know what? This is a great opportunity to shine and end my career back on pay-per-view, and hopefully we'll, we'll see where it goes. I'm just happy to be part of it and, 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 you know, really just do something different out there, you know? for I'm sure a lot of people listening have questions about, you know, the specific rule set. Is it going to be a ring or a cage? What can you tell us about what it's going to look like there? What, what I can I can, I can tell you this. I, what, I didn't understand the capacity of everything until I really got into it. And then when Feldman started showing me some of the props and the uh, production, it's basically there's a, there's a square lineup of a ring with two lines in the center. Both fighters will line up in the center. That's where the action will take. After you, you pretty much, you know, the action goes or knuckle up is going to be the word. Then you basically fight. You can move around from that side. There's a circle ring 
which is outside of the square ring inside. And basically you just, you're allowed to basically do everything in boxing, uh, no hits behind, uh, no, you know, headbutts or, you know, no grappling, no, no kicking, no biting, of course, eye gouging. Uh, but it is bare knuckle. You're only allowed to tape the wrist and I believe the thumb. And basically you're, you're, you're boxing and it's, you know, a different tempo. What I mean by that is you have to really work on your offense uh, as much as your defense, but your defense is important for you not to get hit. And, you know, basically you have three seconds in a glitch to fight your way out of the position. So you're allowed to punch, you're allowed to, to hit, you know, of course, not back of the head. Um, and during that three seconds, the referee will step back in and separate you guys. And then you guys go back two minute rounds with a one minute rest, which is going to mean a lot of action. And, then, you know, if no one is knocked out or, you know, stopped with an eight count, just like in boxing. So if you get knocked down or if you get hurt, you take the eight count, you get back up and, you know, basically go back to work. So with all that being said, it's 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 an action-packed event. Yeah, I mean, that, that, this actually, this sounds exciting. It sounds like, I mean, certainly it's boxing, but the element of being able to clinch and, and almost do some dirty boxing like we've come to know in yes, MMA. that's correct. That's interesting. So that who do you reason. think that favors yeah, that ultimately? That was the only reason why I went to this sport. That's the only reason why I even thought about this, because he told me that I could clinch and find my way out of that. So with that being said, that gave me an opportunity to actually, you know, basically push, you know, my Greco-Roman or my wrestling inside. That was one of the reasons why I took it took this opportunity but at the end of the day this is when you watch if you go and you bare knuckle youtube fights you know just just for giggles i I did it and i was like oh my god there's like you know you'll see bobby guns you'll see a lot of guys from the uk and and this isn't this isn't when i saw some of the views that some of these videos hit you know up in the half a million million point two views i was shocked and like you know, watching what they do. And it's a different style. It's a different type of, of fighting. It's different than boxing. It's different than uh, mixed martial arts. It's, it has its own animal. It's its own entity in itself. And then people don't understand if you're not prepared for this, you could be set up for failure because you're conditioning your hands. You have to be careful not to push the top of the head. You can't punch an elbow. You have to be really intelligent with your style of fighting, which you would think would be an oxymoron because the fact is you got two guys swinging for the fences. It's not that at all. Are you aiming for the chin or, or the nose? Is there is there better spots where you're thinking, you're, okay, I'm you're, not you're going You're going from chin to ear, and you really want to work certain punches that are going to cut your opponent in a certain way. And, and, and that's where things are different. I'm telling you, this is, this is going to be, I think June 2nd, Everyone's going to be like, ah, oh, bare knuckle fighting. I promise you June 3rd, it goes viral. And when it goes viral, you have to understand, today, nobody's watching commercials. Nobody's sitting down, getting to 5 o'clock to, to, to watch their favorite TV show. This is, it's, it's, it's people's, people's expansion stand is really limited. They're, they're not, people are entertained by scrolling through their, their Facebook, or scrolling through their Instagram, or going through it in their chats, and and that's it. I I, I really feel that Dave Elman is putting on this new type of platform for gladiators to compete. You you know, right now you don't see a lot of the top guys, but you have Maurice Smith in there, you have Maurice Jackson, you have Eric Prindle, you have a lot of these fighters that are are, are fighters that fought for different organizations. A lot of this is going to this is going to propel into something big. Just people just don't understand that you have the UFC, you have, you have Bellator and then you have boxing 
but now you have another sport, another entity that can give you an opportunity to start negotiate better money as an athlete, as a fighter. So this is a great time. And I think once people see it and they love it, they're going to start to switch over. So you'll start to see other boxers and probably some other mixed martial arts that will come out and start doing this. Well, the, the cool thing about this, I think, for fans is you hear bare knuckle, you think, you know, street fight, unsanctioned. And to me, that gives you the, even though this is, you know, a legalized sanctioned uh, card, it gives you that UFC 1 feeling all over again. Like, hey, exactly. this might be illegal exactly what I'm watching right here. I mean, do you get that kind of like anticipatory 100%. vibes? Yes. You're the one, out of anybody I spoke to, you're the only person that gets that. Like, everyone knows, like, oh, this is going to be like UFC. Listen, if, if I were to tell you all the, my mothers and my, my, you know, like the people in my life, like, why do you do this and blah, blah, blah. And like, you should, like, you know, go to college and get a real job. I'm like, they bought this for $2 million and sold it for $4 billion. If, if that was mixed martial arts, imagine what bare knuckles. Listen, I'm, I'm a pro fighter, and I hate watching two guys grapple on the floor. I, I like when they have less time of these possible submissions and they stand them back up. This is strictly action, straight action. And, and you, you, it's a different entity. It's a, it's a totally different animal. You can't compare them. They're totally different. We're, we're going to see you in a five-round main event against Lewis the Beast Rumsey. Is there a lot of tape floating around about Lewis Rumsey? What, are you, what kind of fight are you expecting against him? I mean, listen, he's very um, – unorthodox he moves a lot you know he's he's a wrestler so you know we're going to be doing boxing so you know hopefully you know i'll be able to to put my boxing and my my skill set to the test but the truth is you know all i'm really trying to do is condition and save my body so that i don't get injured and save it for the day of the event like the original opponent i was supposed to fight broke his hand so you know it, it's one of those things where like hey is this going to work or this is going to work you're going to find out by practicing this all the time for me i've just been literally watching film and, and you know as, as cheesy it sounds i'm just coming on youtube and watching all these guys fight i'm watching what's happening it's just, it's just the only way i can learn to be honest i mean of course you know i've, I've trained under you know freddie rose trained under of course you know but you have to understand this is a different animal a different different speed totally different speed yeah absolutely uh you of course well known for being a ufc heavyweight champion right now stipe miocic in the ufc did something no other championship champion could do, which was put three title defenses together. I mean, yourself, Brock Lesnar, Randy Couture, Cain Velasquez, all the big names couldn't. Why has no one been able to do just that simple task of three title defenses in your eyes? I'm going to be honest with you. It comes down to just the fact that it's changing so much. It's it's literally to, to, to see the heavyweights stay like, you know, someone like Matt Hughes or someone in the lighter divisions, it's tough because the guys are just so competitive at the top level. And I think that's what makes him so successful is that he was able to, his game will probably be the game that you'll teach every fighter from that moment on as heavyweights. The thing is you have different body types, you have different styles and, you know, styles make fights. I, I'll tell you what, one of my, one of my favorite fights that are going to come up, most people don't even know, between you and me, I, I really feel Daniel Cormier is going to give some major problems to him, only because styles make fights. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. And if you could take that to the ground, then you, then you, you sort of take away. I don't even the... think, I don't even think he needs to take it to the ground. His stand up is just as superb. You have to remember, you know, if we were to watch possible Jones or anybody else we're up to, 
a certain division or heavyweight, you're going to be dealing with the same fighters. These are world-class fighters. Just because their weight classes are different doesn't mean they're less of, a, less of an athlete. The guy at 205, because of his speed, can be just as deadly as a guy who's strong and has speed. So, you know, these these like, these 205 pounders can step up any time. And I tell you what, Daniel Cormier is, is a guy that could go up or down. And that's what's going to be very very deadly. He, he is a great striker. A lot of these guys are great strikers. You just... When they put the game together, it's a different league. Very true. For each UFC heavyweight champion, it seemed to be a different reason maybe where they couldn't put together that same streak. In your case, you submit Randy Couture for the title in 2002. When you look back, what stopped you from putting together a, a few defenses in a row? I just think there was different fighters at different times. Like a lot of people don't understand. Like They only see what you see on TV. And, and what I mean by that is you don't understand what goes on in the backside. And what I mean by that is there's politics. There's 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 managers. There's there's you know there's there's so many things that go on that you don't understand. That people have no clue. People have other lives. People have other things going on. And it really comes down to politics and you know what they say and what they want. You know if I would have dodged Tim Sylvia and picked you know, four other people to fight against. You know, a lot of people don't understand this. People don't have the fathom of understanding that this is a money business. So, for example, I knew for a fact that Mike Tyson fought Lennox Lewis for a long time, and they kept those two apart. Why? Because Mike Tyson was a draw and made money. You know, when you look at something like that, look at Tito Ortiz, he was a multi-world champion, but I remember him sparring with, with Chuck Liddell all the time and getting his butt spanked. You know what I mean? I see that every day in practice. Why did they keep it separate? Because it was more marketable. A lot of people want to see what they want to see, but the truth is it's business and it's money and it's revenue. And until you understand that, until you figure it out, that's, that's the truth. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, I appreciate that inside take there. So Rico, if you are victorious on June 2nd against Lewis Rumsey, and if this promotion, the bare knuckle fighting championship can gain some momentum, gain some viral hits, who do you want to fight? Who can you be pushed up there to fight? Are there names either in the organization now or people you know that are interested that you're like, that's my money fight. That's the guy I want. I mean, listen, one thing at a time, I just want us to be able to sell what we can for this pay-per-view. I think a lot of people are just waiting to see what's going to happen the first show, the first event. You know, listen, the stars are only the limit. I'll, you know, listen, I, I'd get any of those guys. Get Tito Ortiz, get Tito Get, get, get Chuck, get, get anybody, anybody that'll sell pay-per-views, anybody that'll come out and look for it, you know, anybody that, you know, would put on a great show, a great fight, that, you know, anything is possible. That's, you know, listen, <laughs> this is where I think a lot of people are going to see some things, and when they see it, they're going to be surprised by it. Well, looking forward to that. Cheyenne, Wyoming, back in, back in the forefront here, Saturday, June 2nd, on pay-per-view on the Fight TV app, twenty nine ninety nine. Rico Rodriguez, great talking to you about boxing and MMA. Wish you wish you a lot of luck in this. Hey, right now you're kind of like the face of this, you know? You you got the big name there. I'm I'm looking I, I never even I never even thought I was going to be. I thought Bobby Guns was the guy cuz to me he has the most uh, you know, real fights, but I I'm, I'm happy to do the PR. I'm happy to do the press. You know, with all my stuff that happened between me and Dana and, and the way I was kind of pushed out, you know, I'm just happy to be part of this and you know, if I'm the main face, God bless, you know, I'll, I'll put on the best show I possibly can. There he is, Rico Suave. Thanks for the time, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, Rafe, this Saturday's card, BKFC, the beginning, will air throughout the United States and Canada on pay-per-view through Multivision Media or on the Fight TV app. That's fight.tv online. 
So, Rafe, that's a $29.99 show. It can be ordered at www.barenuckle.tv. Rafe, do you think uh, this thing has a chance? What what Rico just told us there is uh, there's some MMA in there where you can dirty box, you can grab a guy behind the head and punch him, and you can clinch with one arm and punch the other, and it's in a six-sided ring. Will you find a stream? Will you do anything that has to do with bare-knuckle boxing and Bobby Gunn and Rico Rodriguez and people you've never heard of in Wyoming? Come on, Rafe. See, I'm kind of I, I've enjoyed a handful of these British documentaries about the bare knuckle tradition of fighting that that in the travel I British and I and Irish traveler families that that of course also produce real boxers like Billy Joe Saunders and Tyson Fury. Uh, just the way of settling family feuds through bare knuckle fights, and you see they, you see this like gloomy like pit of mud in the middle of the you know UK somewhere or Ireland and a bunch of cars circled around and they have a fight between John Joe Nevins and Jim Joe Joyce or whatever. Yes. They all have these three names. Uh, and I, I'm into that. I've, I've enjoyed those things. I don't know if I'm willing to give this a chance yet because it feels like a stunt, right? I, I think I like about those ones is real. These are family feuds. This is blood going back <laughs> generations. This is this is real stuff. I mean, this is like your brother, you know, porked so you my sister, and then yeah. you're, you're, and then she slit his throat. Now we got a fight in the parking lot type stuff. This is just I don't know yet. So I'm gonna wait. If there's some good highlights, I'll check them out after the fact, and they can catch me on the next one. Wow, catch me outside. How about uh Rafe? Uh, like like uh, BKB, I think all of us will try this once. It's interesting. It could be gritty with the bare knuckle. The fact that you can sort of dirty box and hold. I don't know, but I'll say it does have that UFC one gritty feel, that illegal feel that I talked to Rico about, and I kind of like that grimy feeling, right? Like Kimbo Slice in a backyard. It's kind of too bad the late Kimbo Slice couldn't have been a part of that. I mean, come on. Yeah, if you're if you're if you're selling me UK UFC one, then I'm kind of back in. If I can get like one glove Art Jimerson in there, yes. we could be good. Hey, by the way, full disclosure, you know who we were going to interview. From this card, but he got pulled from the card, probably for legal reasons. I'm, I'm speculating, but do you know who got pulled from this bare knuckle fighting card, Rafe? Lay it on me. Paul Spatafora. Oh, Spatty God. too hottie. Rafe, I, because this is what this show is known for. In the Great War of Boxing podcast, this show gives you what you really want. There are so there's an unspoken conversation that still needs to be had between this show and somebody like Paul Spatafora, Rafe. You know what I was going to talk to him about, of course, Rafe. Of it's course, got to be the sparring session. The I mean, the, the, the most the most legendary sparring session on the internet. The great all time sparring session against Floyd Mayweather, in which he gave Floyd as the only L of his career. And number two, do you remember that it was Spatty who was in the corner? with Rod Salka for the Danny Garcia fight. And not just that, he wore sweatpants and he had those little Brian Bosworth shavings in the side of his head, like, like a real fly haircut. By the way, that was, that was prime post prime retired spatty because he's gone downhill since. I don't know if you saw, he like pulled a knife on his brother and he's been in jail and he, he looks like death. And I don't mean to, to, you know, make fun of him like this, the Howard Stern show or something, but I would have loved to get that interview and we're not going to get it. Rafe. Is there anybody though, that fits that guilty pleasure category in boxing right now, fighter, trainer, super fan, anybody that you're like, we need to get that interview on the show. I'd say, and I, I wouldn't really call him a guilty. So the pure guilty pleasure got to be Ron Stander, former oh, heavyweight. Yeah. 
master one of the most legendary appearances on a HBO boxing broadcast in the crowd where he's shadow boxing in Omaha. I think that was the first big Crawford fight in Nebraska. It might have been Gamboa, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, that is, I mean, I, I have perfected that little dance. I have done it on our old Snapchat to, when we were together drunk in line at Vegas at a Shake Shack. Yes. I mean, we, we, we love that. So that's the guilty Wait, pleasure. Let me stop you there. So, uh, yeah. Number four on my list. I made a list of four. Okay. Okay. There's these two dudes, super boxing fans from Kansas City area in Missouri. They're the Tower Brothers. You can find them on, on Twitter. They're like those dudes that go to like six, seven fight cards a year. Like they save up their money and they fly around. They happened to go to that fight in Omaha, happened to buy ringside seats, happened to be sitting next to Stander when the camera went up. So if you go back and watch that Ron Stander famous video, there's white dudes on each side of him and they got beer and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I met those dudes randomly in Times Square one time. They follow me on Twitter. They have great stories from that night. We need them, the Tower Brothers, on this show to talk about it. So there's a dream also, interview right there. Right? Also, uh, you know, honorable mention, shout out to British Paul, the yes. uh, the biggest Marcos Maidana fan in the UK. Who tried to jump who, the railing at Maidana Broner. That, that'd that be a great story to, to, to tell right there. I got to have Tyson uh, he, Fury at the top of my list, Ray. He's there. I, you know, my, my number one guy, he's not a guilty pleasure. Uh, Nacho Beristein. I mean, oh, if, if yeah. we could have a good back and forth, if we had the language skills to, to oh, really chop though. it up with Nacho, Here's he the is thing. the fountain of wisdom and dirtiness and yes. pettiness. He's, I mean, he's just got it all. I love him. I think one, he would tell us if Mark is juiced just straight up because he doesn't care. Yeah. He, what does he care? Yeah. And number two, the only time I interviewed him in person, the translator was Memo Heredia. Imagine if we got him on to translate. Come on, then then we're touching a lot of M's right I now. Don't know, right? I don't know if Memo is going to give you the correct translation when Nacho uh, says that, yes, Marco, uh, Marquez may have been on something. But uh, it would, you know why he would, you know why Nacho would answer a question like that in the affirmative if it were true? It's because he's, he does, he, he's so confident and and cocksure of him and his methods and Marquez as the superior fighter, especially against Manny, that he would be like, well, yes, one man will took that, but we were the better fighter anyway. Yes. And we won all those fights. And we like, he would just, he, he would, ju- he would justify it by saying, doesn't matter. Cause we are better. Uh, he's just got that boat. And, and, but his, the way in 24 seven, he used to describe Manny Pacquiao. Some of the, he's like, we thought it was, we didn't realize what we were getting into. It was a Filipino who disguised, it was a piece of dynamite disguised as a Filipino man. And like, I mean, he had, he has the best lines. I love him. Oh, wow. I would also add Jason Litzow to that list. Get it, and get out. Ray Bradley, Tim Bradley's father, of course. Oh, of big course Ray, big that. Ray. Not, yeah, we've done Angel. Ugh. All right, we're going to close really quick with two DM slides. Hey, DM season is always open. We say that. We get a lot on the wrestling show, not as much on the boxing show. But slide in those DMs at B. Campbell CBS if you have questions. We've got one from Cam Schilling from Down Under at Cam Schilling 88. He says, I know this is odd from me, a boxing-related question. I'm an Aussie, so the biggest boxer reported over here is Anthony Mundine. Do you guys in the States have any idea who he is? Riff, take it, take it. Oh, do we know who he is? Of course. He's the guy who, who almost retired Shane Mosley. Um, 
He is. I no. I what, I don't even know that much about Mundine. I mean, I know that he said like is a Muslim and uh, and expresses that his religion in some ways that are offensive both to Australians and Americans. Uh, one with some of his comments regarding 9/11, and then recently when he was on some like Survivor reality show in Australia and was attacking people for various lifestyle and religious things. I think it was. I think he was coming out with some really extreme hardcore homophobia that might even make Manny Pacquiao blush um so basically known as a dickhead here um is it different in australia that's a good question to me i only know him as a former good fighter who is like the australian gatekeeper he can shape shift to any weight class he can fight like anywhere between like 140 and 175 and any australian of note this guy has fought him right whether it's like any name you can name and he's lingering at 40 he also says thoughts on jeff horn he's fighting crawford in vegas is that a big deal it's a decent deal here. All right. For any of our Australian fans, it's a decent deal here. Not that big a deal. I know it's like the Super Bowl down under for Joe Horn, but, uh, whatever. Hey, final DM slide this week from Scott H at Scott Sprint, Utah. Rafe, he wants to play our favorite game. What's it look like? He has a two-parter. He says, first, prime 140, Tim Bradley versus Miguel Cotto. Prime 140. And then he wants to know 154 washed old guy fight. Bradley versus Cotto today. How do these fights play off? Rafe, take the prime 140 first. Who wins? What does that look like? It's pretty easy, Brian. I think Cotto wins comfortably at prime 140. Uh, Does he stop him to the body, though? I don't know if anyone stops Tim Bradley. Uh, he's just that kind of guy. Uh, If he was – if he he, I mean, he probably should have been stopped against Ruslan Provodnikov, but he didn't get stopped, and he made it through that fight. So – it, it, no, I don't know if anyone was stopping him, but Cotto was so good at 140, so fast, so ferocious. So his power really mattered then, made a difference. Uh, and, and even with everything that, that Tim Bradley brings to the table in terms of just his will to win, he's always in the fight. Uh, the, his competitive spirit is not, wouldn't be enough. I think Miguel Cotto out talents him, maybe gets a knockdown, wins a pretty comfortable decision, maybe, Eight rounds to four plus a knockdown. I think that's so well said because Bradley's problem will always be not a big puncher and not a pure enough boxer outside of the Marquez fight, not a pure enough boxer to just try to outslick somebody. He's got to be an aggressive fighter who doesn't have the power to back it up. So that would be a good fight. But the sloppy 154 old guy one would be tough because a year ago I would have said, well, Cotto probably stops him or it's, it's not a good matchup with Bradley going up to that weight. But wash Cotto of what we know from the Ali fight. I might pick Bradley straight up to win a decision here, but just by outworking him. Your thoughts? It's it's definitely a lot closer. Here's the thing. Bradley is still the same kind of fighter, still doesn't win rounds with any kind of flash, with anything that um, that catches judges' eyes necessarily. Panache, panache the, if you will, right? Panache, it doesn't have a lot of panache. It's got a lot of craft, but not 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 the panache that that Tyson Fury likes. Um, but I bet I bet Fury respects the game that 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 Brad Bradley's too good not to respect. But anyway, um, so the and and. Saddam Ali was landing some really pre- pretty combinations, really doing things that that made it to the naked eye, to the even the casual observer. You'd be like, "Whoa, that's that's that." Though he's winning the, this fight, he's winning these rounds. Um, and I could see it not going so easily for Bradley, just because he w- it would be similar. He'd be in close with him. They'd be sort of you know roughing each other up. It'd be a little bit sloppy. They're, neither guy is at his best. Um, and I kind of think that. 
even if Bradley outworked him, Cotto would end up still getting the decision because he, judges like him better. Although judges certainly liked Tim Bradley against Manny Pacquiao that first time. All right, all right. That's, 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 a, that's a nice breakdown there. We've run out of time. We'll play more What's It Look Like in the Future, but you can purchase Rafe's book still out there on the interwebs, two and two. McSorley's My Father and Me, a, a father-son journey involving beer, the history of one of the oldest bars in, the, in our country. Great stuff right there, Rafe. They can also subscribe to the... Respect, Respect box. box newsletter at Rafe Boogs on Twitter for more information. Hey, check out our other offerings on the ITC. Follow us on Twitter at the in this corner CBS. Rafe, any sort of message for the people? We out.